And at some point in that breathwork experience, I hit a point where I actually slightly opened my eyes because I was sure there was a heat lamp that was hovering over the center of my chest. I could actually feel from the inside, this warmth that was literally over my heart center. Now I mind you at that point in time, I was 37 years old and I don't think I had ever felt the love that was radiating from inside of me, not from an external service circumstance. Nothing outside of me was giving that to me. It was me. I glanced open my eyes. And in fact, there was nothing over me, not even her. I was doing it myself. Mm. And at that point I was like, holy crap, the breath is like my superpower. Like, I don't know if anyone else is feeling this, but I'm, I'm not going to give this up because this feels so good. Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. It's Hannah. Uh, I just wanted to reflect real quickly before introducing this guest. Um, Just a reminder about what our podcast is, mostly a reminder to myself um, of how we just want to bring authenticity to the world. When people ask me what my message, if I had to give any message to the world, what would it be? My answer is always, I just wish everyone could show up authentically. I think that would solve all of the world's issues. (laughs) Um, And so that's what we invite into our space when we interview people is just to be authentically you. And our guest for this episode was Michelle Rains. She is so magnificent that I couldn't think of a proper introduction for her. I normally type up a little introduction just so I don't blab like I am now. Um, But she kind of reinstated that sense of authenticity. It may just be around her virtually in a virtual space with her. Um, So I'm excited for you to feel the same way. She just radiates this confidence that you will feel. Um, So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with the beautiful Michelle Rains, breathwork facilitator out of Utah. And P.S. I'm always so jealous that there's like this group of breathwork facilitators in Utah with Josh and, and her and who knows, maybe I'll move out to Utah soon. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. We are so happy to have our dear friend, Michelle, on the podcast with us. And Michelle and I go back a year and a half, mm-hmm. year and yeah. a half. So Michelle has been a mentor and a We'll we'll call it that. And a dear friend. It was like a soul sister that we didn't we didn't know that we were soul family until we hugged and said, Oh yeah, hi again. Mm-hmm. Our souls know each other. Yeah. So it was really cool. So I went through the pause program and as I was deciding on 
whether I was going to sign up or not, I was, Michelle, you might not, not even know this. So I was um, Instagram stalking you. I love it. Yes. Uh-huh. You're welcome to anyone out there. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just, I noticed that she was doing breath work. I noticed she lived in the same like 15 minutes from me. And so I was like, okay, is this the direction I want to go? And so I was just, you know, watching your stuff, following you. And then I reached out and we started chatting and I asked your thoughts and opinion on the pause program. And she gave me two thumbs up. (laughs) And so we started hanging out at different um, breath, breath work venues and we went to a park one time and made a cloud disappear. Yes, we did. That's right. I don't know if we're going to share that story today. That might be for another time. Yeah. I'm curious about that. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear that? I do. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Dr. Emoto, the Japanese research guy that did studies on water and how he would freeze the he would pump pipe music or thoughts into water and then freeze it and he would see like he did one where he had evil and it was all jagged and he had one of christ and it was all just beautiful crystals and so he wrote a book i can't remember what it's called but in the book it talks about how you can make water make clouds disappear with your mind and i think it has something to do with consciousness our consciousness and our connectedness to all things Um, but we were at a park with our friend robin and i was telling them about how you could do this and so we all just stood side by side on this sidewalk and we we picked one that we wanted to do and so we're just all looking up it takes about three minutes and people, yeah and then i have a theory that you can actually create clouds too but i haven't gotten to that level yet mm. <laughs> so it was funny because there were people walking on the sidewalks and they would see these three random humans staring up at the sky and then mm-hmm. they were like what what's up there and we're like oh we're just making a cloud disappear with our mind <laughs> <laughs> yes so michelle you guys have to come to the beach with me yeah yeah make all the clouds go away yeah Yeah, i'm in (laughs) so thank you for being here michelle it's so exciting to just be in your energy and to hear some of what's going on with you and for you Mm, thanks for having me you too i really appreciate it it's always such an honor when you know i think so often us us humans out there we think we don't really have a story right we don't have a story to tell and it's so fascinating that everyone does everyone does right um so yeah so josh josh and i met like 18 months ago um and yeah i i did give the two thumbs up to the pause breathwork facilitator training program um it's amazing. So do you want me to just kind of go into me? Yeah, dive in. Who I am, why I'm yeah. here. 
maybe if I have a message to deliver. Awesome. So I kind of, my story really starts like 2019 is kind of when I take people back to, right? So that was almost four years ago. Does that feel weird to you guys? Does Mm -hmm. that feel so weird that 2019 was almost four years ago? Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was, it's almost been four years since, since I found breathwork or I always tell people breathwork found me because it did by default. I was at a retreat for a company that I was working for. Um, I was the front end, the COO of this company, um, a fitness and nutrition coaching business um, that actually my brother owns. And I was kind of building this thing for him. And 2019 really proved to be the year of like, I look back at it now and I can see and appreciate all the things that I learned and how I grew in it. Um, but at the time it was super just chaotic and it felt like, um, and I don't know if any of the listeners or if you two have ever had this, but like I would build my schedule out and it was so disgustingly full, but I would wear it as like such a badge of honor that like I was such a big deal that my schedule was so packed full. Right. And I was just busy all the time. And I was going on a ton of mastermind trips where I was in rooms with very, very profound, smart people in the fitness space, right? Because this is the company I'm building. And, you know, I started to really realize that inside, I always felt chaotic. So when people would say to me, like, wow, you are building such a beautiful life. I'm like, I am building a life because I feel like my life's being built around me in this chaos, right? I would think that. And as 2019 started to come to an end, the very end there, bring you back to, we were at a retreat for this company um, that I was working for. And I noticed on the itinerary that we had for the weekend that we had breath work um, coming to the, the Airbnb that we were staying at. And I personally, there was about eight of us there. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing breath work. I mean, we get to choose what we do at this retreat, right? This is supposed to be like soul filling, like yeah. So what will fill my cup is I'm going to go shopping while you guys do this weird breathwork thing. Because what I've seen up to this point, um, which is just social media is people lay on mats or blankets and pillows and they cry and it's really weird. And you're like in a group and you cry in front of people. And I, I don't, I don't do that. I kept telling, I, I don't do that. So I just don't think it would be for me. Like, I don't think I'll get anything out of it. And I remember having the question asked, well, have you ever done it? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And he said, why do you have so much resistance to it? And I said, because I don't want to do it. And he said, well, maybe you should lean into it. And I'm going to ask you to be here. I paid a lot of money for this woman to come and do this for us. So I begrudgingly, I was ticked. I was not happy to be there. So anyway, sure enough, I opened the front door to this Airbnb. There stands this beautiful woman, dark brown hair, piercing eyes, and she's got these yoga mats. And I'm like, here we go. This is where it gets weird. This is what I knew was going to happen, right? So she comes into the Airbnb. Long story short of a three-hour, basically, experience with this woman is she starts to deliver to us the power of the breath and how the breath is this cool modality that we're in control of. The second she said that, you're in control of it, I was like, okay, I can, I can get on board with this. I can I can listen. Because if I'm in control of this, that feels really good to my system. So I was like, okay, okay. So I start to kind of soften into like, okay, maybe there's something to this, right? So she proceeds to tell us, you know, that society is really, really growing at a rapid rate of making us really seek external validation for these internal things that are happening. And for someone who myself, I 
suffered my first panic attack at 13 years old and really just kind of gave myself this story based on a diagnosis that I have anxiety. I am an anxious person. And that was just who I was. Right. And so it prevented me from doing a lot of things in life that I, that I really wanted to do. And so she started to explain that this anxiety that we feel inside, like we actually, from a scientific standpoint, can take our nervous system and actually calm it down and help it feel safe. And I was like, that's really cool. Like, okay, wait a minute. You mean I don't have to like have a prescription of Xanax with me at all times? I have my breath all the time. Okay. Okay. So I kept listening. Right. And sure enough, we get over to, to these mats that are laid down. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is where the stuff happens. Like, this is where it gets weird. Right. I'm like pro- plotting my escape. Right. I'm making sure I know where the front door is like, if I need to get out of here. Right. And she just keeps telling us like, you are a sovereign being. Your autonomy is so welcome here. You are in you are in control of this. And I'm thinking this is so bizarre, right? Because you're so used to being told how to do things, right? When you're doing a new modality. Um and so I'm like, okay, this is this is so bizarre, but I'm here. I might as well go all in. So I lay down on this mat. And I remember the first like it was probably if I had to gauge it like 5 to 7 minutes where I my mind was going this is really weird. Like, this is really weird. I don't know if this is going to work. But what I know is up until that point in my life, what I was doing wasn't working. So my marriage was completely falling apart. I was planning on asking for a divorce when I got home from the retreat. I had two children. I have two children. And at that point in time, I couldn't have told you like what their favorite color was, their favorite food. I was so disconnected. Like it looked from the outside, like I had this wonderful marriage, these wonderful kids, this wonderful career, but inside I was falling apart. I was literally falling apart. And so at that point, I remember thinking, and I remember the exact where I was. And I remember thinking what I have been doing is not working. So I have nothing to lose by going all in on this breath work. Like I have nothing to lose. So I'm going to go all in. Right. And so I lay down and like I said, I predict about the first five to seven minutes. It felt like my mind was going crazy. Like it was just, I'm like, Oh crap. Like she said, it works for everyone, but it's not working for me. Like, and she kept coming back to explaining, like the mind is going to wander in because the mind is this mechanism that keeps us safe. It keeps us very safe. It's a beautiful thing for that, but it's not a beautiful thing when we want to push past some of our fears. So I kept breathing. She just said, trust the breath, trust the breath, trust it. It's here. It's here. It's here. And I kept trusting every inhale. I kept trusting my body knows how to exhale. My body knows how to inhale. And at some point in that breathwork experience, I hit a point where I actually slightly opened my eyes because I was sure there was a heat lamp that was hovering over the center of my chest. I could actually feel from the inside this warmth that was literally over my heart center. Now, I mind you, at that point in time, I was 37 years old, and I don't think I had ever felt the love that was radiating from inside of me, not from an external circumstance. Nothing outside of me was giving that to me. It was me. I glanced open my eyes, and in fact, there was nothing over me, not even her. I was doing it myself. Mm. And at that point, I was like, holy crap, the breath is like my superpower. Like, I don't know if anyone else is feeling this, but I'm, I'm not going to give this up because this feels so good. Right. So I just, I kept breathing. I kept trusting every single breath. And I remember I came out of that journey and I have a journal somewhere around here 
in my first paragraph, I just said, this was an out-of-body experience. Unlike anything I've ever experienced, I want to feel this way forever. And I remember looking into Samantha Skelly is who was there guiding breath. She then later became our, all three of our mentor. And I remember looking into her beautiful face and I remember just bawling. And I said, I don't want you to leave this house because I'm scared. I'll never feel this way again. And she looked right back at me and she said, the power's not in me. It's in you. Mm -hmm. And I get chills when I say that, because to this day, that's what I give to people is I remind them, I am not your, your key to this. You are. And it's so cool to give that power back to people. Right. So long story short, I left that retreat and I've never been the same since. I just, I got so engulfed in breath work because I, the way it, it allowed me to feel, and it was me doing it. I, I didn't want my body to forget. I wanted to remember constantly. Right. And so really I feel like my journey started December of 2019 of coming into this beautiful awakening of to where I am today. And nothing is overnight, right? Like I said, that was almost four years ago. So that's the way that I found breathwork. And I became so enthralled in it in the year of 2020 that by 2021, I knew I wanted to actually get certified in it. And not because a certification makes you something or breaks you of something, but it's because I wanted to learn. I wanted to know. I wanted to understand what I went through in that experience and why right? I'm a why person. Tell me why something. Um, and it was a really, really cool six month journey of the certification of diving inward for about the first three months and then giving this modality, as you know, for the last three months. And it changed me. It changed who I am. Mm. Yeah. I love that story. Me too. I got yeah. the chills. Like when you were saying you got chills, like I was getting chills. It was so awesome. Mm, yeah, it was good. It's good. It was really cool. Yeah. And I I'll didn't never... go ahead. I was going to say, I'll never forget that first time I experienced it too. Just that out of body, like I need this forever. Like mm -hmm. why aren't, why isn't everybody doing this? this... That's what I thought. What, like, why have I never known about this? Yeah. And it I wasn't until much later where I was like, oh, I can bring this to people. Like mm -hmm. I didn't get, I didn't get that download until like a year and a half later. Like, mm, yeah, why don't I do this? Like, I'm, yep. I'm just like saying everybody sh needs to know the magic of their breath. Wait, like I need, I'm here to tell them. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's yeah. later for me. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for both of you, I, I don't know you or you before breath work. Mm -mm. I, I just know the breathwork girls now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> this, funny? Yeah. This is how you've yeah. always been to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle, I, I've heard the story, but I think it'd be worth sharing just what kind of human were you before breathwork? <laughs> oh yeah. She was a real spicy girl. So I always <laughs> tell people, anyone who knew me and sometimes in the rooms that I guide in, there'll be people who knew me prior to 2000, December of 2019. And I always am like, I'm so sorry for the human I was, which I am because I was pretty salty. Like I was a pretty skeptical human being. Like I was pretty sure that everyone out there had an ulterior motive to anything. So growing up, I was the only girl in my home. I have all brothers. So I have four brothers, right? So it's just, it's a little bit different of a dynamic growing up in an all boy home. You know, my emotions were really big. 
I was sent to my room a lot to feel my emotions. It was gross because I was a girl and girls have boobs and periods and stuff like that. Right. So it was always like, I kind of felt like I was like, Oh, like, I don't know where I fit in that translated into my life of making female relationships, um, which has just beautifully, you know, just gone with me my whole life because I never really realized that it was a, a wound that I needed to work on. And I just started to, here's the thing. I started to be in friendships that were not in alignment, but at the time I didn't know what alignment was. So I just knew that it's like, oh, cool. This chick is inviting me to the bar. So I'm part of the cool kids. Amazing. Okay. I'll go. Okay. This doesn't feel in alignment at the time. That's not the word, but I was just like, oh, screw it. I'll just drink till my intuition doesn't talk to me anymore. Right. And so I would use substances, mostly drinking to kind of numb that right. To be the cool kid, if you will. Um, and it just made me start to get super salty and spicy, like about life. And I started to get hurt in relationships, whether they were female or it was with a male. And so I started to develop this uh, mentality of, if you hurt me, I will hurt you 10 times worse. So think of that. Like when I say that, if you hurt me, I will hurt you 10 times worse. Think of the vibration that you're always in. If you always think something's going to attack you and you've got to attack 10 times as bad you are in a negative vibration all the time because you're always waiting for somebody to hurt you. And so that's what I attracted into my life is all of these people, these boyfriends that would just hurt me. And because that's where I was at all the time. And so I really truly learned to be in survival mode most all the time, thus marrying the man that I'm still married to today. Thank goodness. Cause he's amazing. But the first 10 years of our marriage was awful. It was separation, I think four or five times I did ask for a divorce once when he went to serve me the papers, I said, wait a minute, let's go all in. Like, let's try this one last time. And that was at the beginning of 2020. And the three and a half years we've had since then are completely different, but I believe it's a vibrational frequency that we both decided to shift out of. We both had been hurt so many times. He's a recovering drug addict. It was just this vibration that was not working for our relationship. So I tell people, I wish there was like some like. I can give you some like really easy aha moment that really shifted our marriage, but it was he and I both being willing to get out of that vibration that was not working for us anymore. So the person I was 2019 and before, like, it's really crazy because I, I love her and I want to go back and I want to be there for her, but she kind of scares me. Like, you know, I, I, I've really transformed into who I am today and the softness that's there now is a place I want to live forever. Mm. Like I'm cool with this. Right. And I'm fascinated by humans now. I, I thought I hated people. I really did. Like I thought I hated most people and I thought most people were bad. Like that was my like theory. Right. And now I'm like, my theory is most people are good and I'm fascinated by them. I'm fascinated by humans. And like, why are you where you are today? Why are you who you are? What made you that? Right. So, yeah. I love that. I mean, it can just be a, like you say, it's not a simple solution, but then when you look back, it's like, it's, it's just a paradigm shift. Like mm-hmm. it just, yes. you just need to say, this is no longer the reality that I'm living in. And especially when you're with a partner that says the same thing, you can, there's so much possibility there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love so that. much. Yeah. I want to dive into drinking till you didn't hear your inner voice anymore 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I know what that's like. I, I'd like to just have a discussion on why do we do that? What, what are your yeah. thoughts on the why? I think that for me, at least here's from my point of view, which probably will re- be a reflection for others is we, the pain is scary. Like that pain, I, I didn't think I would ever be someone who is standing in a room guiding people into their pain, right? I was taught growing up, you move away from pain. You go towards comfort. If you have something that doesn't feel right in your body, you take medication that a doctor gives you because it moves you away from the uncomfortable feeling, right? And so I started to learn with that first sip of alcohol when it went into my body and I kind of felt like, oh, wait, now I don't feel embarrassed, right? Because I was someone who I'm actually very introverted. I have to introvert to be an extrovert, but I was very insecure. So I've always been in a body that's never just been this little teeny thing. Like I came into this world big, I came into this world loud. Um, and I was kind of always told like in friendship groups and stuff, like I was too much, I was too big. Um, I was called the leftover friend. I was always like, if there's a spot, then Michelle would get invited. If there was a fourth boy, then Michelle would get invited, right? If there was enough, like it made sense. So I, I think that once I felt what it felt like to drink and have that inner voice go away, it felt in the moment, like it was quiet. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what I've been seeking is like to just hear nothing. Right. And to feel like I'm a part of something. Okay. This feels good. This is what I'm supposed to do. Right. And for me, anyone who knows me, I don't like to be in an altered state because of a substance. So the very first time I had a panic attack, my mom did the best thing she knew how, which was give me Xanax, right? She's having a panic attack, manage the symptoms, give her a Xanax, right? I remember hating whatever it was. I was like, why do I feel this way? I don't feel right. And so I don't like it. But then I started to learn that to fit in and to get invited with the group of girls, right? I'd have to partake of alcohol. Then once I started drinking and I realized that my intuition would shut the hell up and that my inner voice would go quiet, that to me was like, okay, this is what I need. But I didn't know any better, right? I just knew that that inner voice sometimes would tell me like, don't do things. And I'm like, but if I don't do that, I'm not going to be invited again. And I'm not part of the cool people. These girls won't like me. So I've got to do this. Right. So for me, that's what it was. That's what the alcohol was. Cause I actually didn't like the altered state that it would make me feel, but I kept doing it for years, years. I resonate with that so much. Mm. Like I didn't mm. drink at all in high school. I was like afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, there was, yeah, same thing, like group of girls invite you to do something I'm like, well, if I want to be included, I might as well. Like now mm-hmm. I'm in college. Like I should, you know, have a drink. I should. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like you belong because I'll, I'm like, oh, well, this is actually kind of fun. Like, I, you know, now I'm with the, with the girls and every time we're together, we have to be drinking and it's never yes. like we can be together and just hang out. It's like, we have to be partying together. Mm-hmm. So I feel yeah. that too. And that's, it's a whole relearning. Like as I'm trying to, you know, I had this similar timeline as you too, like 20 end of 2019 is when I found breathwork. Mm. And so it's been, you know, this, I have the same like 
four years ago. Like it feels like just yesterday, but it's also like a lifetime ago because it's been such a different person. So it's, I want to leave alcohol in the past, but then you go out with your friends and if someone just hands you a drink. So I'm in that same, like noticing that relationship It's where it's more than just, you know, numbing it's, it's that sense of belonging with Mm -hmm. that, that girl wound. Yep. Yes. Yes. And that girl wound, that sister wound is real. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Cause I, Mm -hmm. and right when you said that too, about the, um, what did you call yourself? The like backup friend? Oh, the leftover friend. The leftover friend. Mm-hmm. I was the same. I had so many friends that were like would just, I was that person like, oh, yeah. like at the, I always say I was the forgotten one because they would be like, oh, we, oh shoot. Like we didn't buy yes. Friday night. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's like, you'll do anything to feel like you, mm-hmm. you belong. Yep. Anything. Right. Yeah. That's hard because there's so many women that feel that same way. It's like there's so there's all this competition. So to that, yes, Hannah, there are so many women out there that are healing from this same sister wound that we all are. And it feels like there is there's a lot of awareness around it now. Like I feel like 2019, 2020, there was this like toxic masculinity happening, right? Of like that's what we were talking about. And I feel like females within that were trying to find their place, right? Because I remember in 2019 for the business that I was growing, it was grind, hustle, go, don't stop. Therefore, my my Google calendar, that was like, it was a badge of honor because I was like, oh, I hustle. Like I have a shirt that says hustle. I won't wear it anymore. Like it has such a bad connotation to it now with me because I just don't believe that the feminine is meant to grind and go and hustle. And I grew up again in a home of all boys where it was kind of like, and I don't think they meant to, but like, they just kind of shunned what females go through and do and what their cycles look like. And I just, I think that there was a part of me that was a little bit like, and I, for, for living in Utah, I will say this for living in Utah, I got married late. I was 28, which that is on the later end for uh, what is pretty typical, right? So I kind of almost got that ultra independence where I was like, I don't need no man. I can do this. Right. I remember when I started to date my husband and he would try to open the door for me. I was like, I can open my own door. (laughs) And he's like, but I want to, he would walk on the side of the street all the time and put me on the inside. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. I just like, didn't understand it. And I didn't really know what it meant to be in my feminine. I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Dance seductively? Cause that's not who I am. Right. So learning to like land in the feminine, but I think out there back to the sisterhood wound thing, I think there is this awareness around it, that it's a thing and that more women than we think have it or had it at some point. And that it's taking off those rough edges kind of that I had prior to finding breath work of like, just believing that everyone's going to hurt you. Right. Mm -hmm. So often if we will just open up and open up from our heart and that's the whole thing, this word vulnerability, right. That feels like this cliche word right now, but I'm telling you there's something to it because if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable so often, how often have you two found this where you are a mirror for somebody, you are a reflection 
for them, right? That's why I love sharing in breathwork groups after the breath, because typically you are going to share something that resonates with someone in that room that goes, "Mm, okay, yes, that's how I feel. And how good does it feel on Friday night? I was, I was co-creating with a, with a friend of mine and we got to this woman and she said, I'm super skeptical of this. I actually don't really want to be here. Um, I don't really like girls. I, so this feels super uncomfortable to have this girl's night, but I'm doing it because, and she pivots to her friend who invited her because I was invited. Right. And I was like, home girl, you are me. I am you like hands down. That's, that's me. Right. She softened into that experience. And after she's like, you guys are my tribe. I'm like, (laughs) right. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. The, the female wounds that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I hop in here for the feminine? I don't know how to, I don't know what to call it. Um, mm-hmm. The feminine side of me that mm-hmm. has been wounded. Mm-hmm. And so Michelle was facilitating last week in the salt cave. And I was there breathing and she was inviting me. I don't know if you, how I received it mm-hmm. was that you were, you were here holding my chest and inviting mm-hmm. me to be tender. Yes. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Oh, I remember it. Yes. I, even as a breather and a facilitator, I realize I've been going into my heart, but it's been going into my heart as a dude. Mm -hmm. And so as you were, as you were inviting tenderness, I was, I, I could feel myself wanting to make sounds, but I had, it needed to be deep because that's what a guy would sound like. Oh, uh And the tenderness wanted to be at a higher octave. And I was like, I fucking can't go there. I can't Uh, go there. And so I hear what you're both saying with this feminine piece. And it's been so striking to me that I, I keep being in these places where it's majority of the feminine, the females. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why am I this dude with in all these female spaces? And it feels like I'm here to own my feminine as a male, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which feels so scary in my body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why, why does that feel scary? It goes back to the belonging. Yeah. Right. Society tells you, you have to be a certain way as a dude, but why is it okay for someone like me and can even be found attractive when I'm in my masculine mm-hmm. by a guy, mm-hmm. but if a guy is in his feminine, typically it's not attractive. And Josh, you're a perfect example. And I think when I, we first connected and is giving permission for other men to be held, to be 
in their feminine. We need more of it. it. It's fascinating to me because you bring this up. My husband is a bearded, tatted, pretty dudes dude, mm-hmm. right? He cries mm-hmm. like, and I don't want to say a lot because it's relative to what's a lot, but he cries. That's one of his big emotions is he, he gets teary and he gets teary when he's grateful, but I'll never forget when we were together about, it was seven months in and his grandpa died and he was, I was out of town. And so he called me and he was wailing. And I remember going, oh shit, I can't marry this guy. Like he's way, he, what the, he is like crying, like the yep, yep, you know, the <laughs> like, and I'm just like over there, instead of being tender for him and being like, this hurts him so much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like hanging up the phone. I'm like, mom, I don't think I can marry him. Like he was crying. He was sobbing. He was like a babbling brook. Like I don't, what that is so weird. Now I grew up being taught that boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. You know, put your big boy pants on. Like bite your upper lip. We don't cry, right? Don't cry. And so it was so foreign to me. And now, Josh, you know this, I will hold men's only breath work in honor of Twitch, Ellen DeGeneres' DJ who passed away. I will hold all men's and Josh just, it's like a lion's den in there. There's roars, there's cries, there's sobs, there's wails right? And it's like the most beautiful sound to me of these men being in what they need to be in, what needs to come from them, right? It's the coolest thing. And I think that it needs, it just needs to be more normalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had this huge fear that, cause I'm out in Boston, right outside Boston. Mm. And I thought I wouldn't be able, cause I, I'm so jealous of your Utah community. Like, you know, oh, so many yeah. facilitators and I don't, I'm the only one that I know of in this, you know, initial mm. area. And I was afraid I was going to have trouble finding people. So I figured it was going to be mostly female. I have so many men coming to my classes, coming to my mm. workshops. I have a couple one-on-one clients that are all men. And it, I, I just, it's so apparent that they, that there's such a need for that softness and that tenderness that, that they don't have to define anything that it's just, they just need to be held mm-hmm. and be, and know that it's okay to be held yeah. and not, and, and let those edges down so that they can just soften. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they get, you know, they get to, I think at least, you know, witnessing my husband, a lot of times he, he's a fixer, you know, he's, that's what he just, he wants to fix things. And so when he gets to just soften in, Hmm. right. And be held in it and not have to fix anything. Like there's nothing to do. He said that was really uncomfortable for, and he had to really learn how to just like receive without giving back. And I think so often, I I don't know if you remember this, Josh, do you remember when I actually got down on the ground and spooned you? Like I literally laid behind you and held you. And you had mentioned in that moment, you felt like you needed to reciprocate, like you needed to give me something where it's men are so like that, where it's like, you don't, you get to just come in this room right now and just simply be held platonically by a woman, right? I don't want anything after it. I don't expect anything. I don't want to exchange phone numbers with you. Like, I just want to hold you and see you in what you're moving through right this moment. Right. And so many guys that is like ultra uncomfortable. Right. 
Mm -hmm. So, because it's such a being able to hold both feminine and masculine. And I, Josh is probably sick of my, um, the way I, I love to describe the masculine feminine energy of one of my mentors once said this to me, the masculine is a bowl, like it holds, it's solid, it's mm. unbreakable, it's sturdy, it, it holds things. The feminine is the oatmeal inside of the bowl. And oatmeal is messy, it's warm, it's shapeless, it will move and do anything. And so the oatmeal without the bowl is a complete disaster. I love that. Thank (laughs) you for sharing that. And a bowl without oatmeal is just a bowl. There's nothing to it. So when you have the two together, it's, that's just the balance of it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you need, because so the, the oatmeal can do what it needs to do inside of that bowl because it's being held. Yeah. And so that's not necessarily, you know, the guy has to be the the bull all the time and the woman mm. has to be the oatmeal. Like he, that both of that gets to exist in each of us. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I feel very I because like you said, there's so much, so many women that we feel like we have to prove and go, go, go. And that that's in our masculine side of us. And so when I sometimes look around my house, I'm like, wow, I'm really messy today. I'm like, well, that's just my feminine. I'm just, I'm just feeling my feminine energy today. Like that's okay. Uh-huh. And the, I, like I love that. This is kind of off topic too, but whenever I allow myself to be that, to be that, that messiness, my boyfriend comes out of nowhere to, to hold it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, instead of nagging people to be like, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. Sometimes you just be it. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece comes in. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Josh, with you reflecting on your working on your feminine side, like, do you feel like oatmeal? Well, there's definitely edges in this discussion. And it doesn't feel like oatmeal is allowed or safe or acceptable as as a woman that i can agree mm-hmm. you know and not, like mm-hmm. i said not to say that one like the oatmeal is girls and mm-hmm. girls are boys like it, we, like we all get to have both but you'd think that as a woman that oatmeal would be more comfortable but it's sometimes it's, it's a, it's still a work in progress, like to mm-hmm. be able to be okay to be messy and creative and allowing all of those feelings can still mm-hmm. be so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that I see in the world and maybe you two see this as well. I feel like it's kind of cool. I mean, I feel like we have like a range of ages between the three of us, but I do feel like we're changing the narrative. And I feel like it needs to happen, right? Like as uncomfortable as it can be, Josh, to like deliver the feminine message as a guy, the narrative has to shift, right? I have parents in their seventies and I see what that generation is. Not that they were right or wrong, but my mom makes dinner every night. My dad has served it, right? And it's not, like I said, it's not right or wrong. It's just the way the generation is. My dad is very solid foundation, right? My mom is emotional. My dad doesn't show emotions. 
And I think that's a pretty typical story. Now I do think there's men out there in their seventies who are emotional. Um, but I just think the narrative has got to shift and change for the generation underneath us. You know, I watch my kids and my daughter just went through something this past weekend that was, you know, um, one of her friends was very much the, basically the brunt of, of a, a horrible bullying incident. And, um, I watched her stick up for him, like not back down. And she came down to me and she was asking for advice of like, mom, I I want to be able to try to understand everyone's point of view, but what I feel happened is not right. And I said, then you stick up for what you know is right. And you stand so firm in that. And you tell people like, I'm sorry, but the way that that happened, it just does not land with me, right? That's not in alignment with me. And I think that the more and more we teach our kids to stand firm in who they are and what that intuition, I never heard that word. Like, I don't know when I finally learned it, but not till I was in my adult years of this, like I knew intuition, but I didn't realize that we all just have one, right? That I thought maybe we had to earn it. I thought maybe I broke mine in my twenties because I just was reckless. So telling her like that intuition's telling you something like I listen to it, right? Listen to your body. Listen to those cues. I was never told that. Right. And, and again, my parents did the best they had with the information they had, but you know, and this is another topic, but I think dieting culture, especially for a female Hannah, I don't know if you have this, it, it, you know, watching my mom growing up, I went to something called the diet center with her. I'll never forget it. Right. I remember the smell of it. And I remember that her mood when we left was based on when she stepped on the scale, something happened. I didn't know what was happening, but it was her mood was one way or the other. And so I started to learn really young, this unhealthy relationship with, with the scale and that it's a scary thing because it determines your mood again, a topic for another, but dieting even gets super ingrained in a person that starts to make you see the world through, you know, a different, a different lens. Well, and with your daughter too, like if, like, I feel like if a certain similar situation happened to me when I was a kid and if as soon as you don't stay firm in that, you get, there's confusion. And it's like, when do I, when, what is my truth? I'm just going to give into what the majority is saying just because Mm -hmm. they're afraid of so-and-so. And, you know, there, there's probably punishment involved if you do stick up for yourself, because, you know, if you're the only person, maybe he's, you do get hurt in the end, yep. but you yep. stood up for yourself. And that's what matters because that's teaching you to listen to that intuition as, mm-hmm. until yes. you're an adult, because I'm sure that's what happened to me one time because, and I probably backed down to be like, oh, I'm, you know, maybe I'm too small or whatever to, to speak up. And then I stopped speaking up. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she kind of felt that because she was the one that stood up and she was one of the sole ones who stood up. So she felt really lonely over the weekend because all of her friends were like, you're making too big of a deal out of this. We're still going to go hang out with these boys who were the, you know, the culprits of bullying. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't, but, but I watched. Yeah. That I I mean, it's not like, that's not like she deserves that punishment, but that's just what happens when you do stick up for yourself in Mm -hmm. the long run, she'll be grateful for that. Yeah. And I think that that even translates outside of this of like, I don't know if you two ever felt this, but along my awakening journey, if you will, like my 
my journey to who I am today, I have definitely lost a lot of friends, like who I thought were friends, but honestly, it was making way for people that I needed in my life, right? That feels in alignment. Because for so long, I just wrote out friends out of obligation, right? This is an obligatory friendship. We've been friends for 15 years. How many people say that? And it's like, but do you want to be friends with them? Like, have you guys kind of gone to separate paths that just don't feel like you have anything in common, but it's this obligatory, like I always tell people and Josh, I've had coffee with you. So if I have coffee with you, like you're pretty much in, like, I want to sit there with you and have conversations about life. Cause I don't want to go to coffee and talk about like the newest Louis Vuitton bag. I don't even know what they are or the newest Jordans. I I don't care. Like, I, I just don't like, cool. If you like them, but I like, I, I want to talk about what makes you tip. I want to talk about the last thing that like you really went through a painful thing and how you came out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those, as soon as you're living in that truth and listening to your intuition, those, those people come hundred percent. That's what I'm learning. hundred percent. You keep inviting in that same frequency of people. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I, I tell people like, I'm pretty selfish with who I'll be around and I'm okay with that. I am really okay with that. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning to stay firm in those boundaries. Not a girl. Good, good, good. So it, it strikes me that when we were trying to numb our intu intuition, it was in an effort to belong to the group. But as soon as we start listening to our intuition, like your daughter, she is now belonging to her truth and her truth goes wherever she goes. And then she attracts that tribe. But, but if we're listening up here mm -hmm. to that fear voice, it's like, no, I, I gotta, those people. But if we go in here and our breath will take us there. Our, our breath will show us how to connect with that truth. And once it's Maya Angelou that, that has that beautiful quote on when we belong to ourselves, I can't remember how it goes, but we ultimately belong everywhere because we're in our truth. I mean, and what else could you ask for, right? Of just wherever you go, you belong because you're in your solid truth. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that is like, hello, I've arrived. Like that is what I want in life. And that's what I want my kids to feel right. So that there's not this unstable of like, where do I belong? Right. Because that's some of my sisterhood wounds is like, where do I belong and trying to insert myself. And now I go to women's retreats and I'm like, oh wait, I belong. Cause I, this belongs. Mm. Right. So it's cool. I can go over here and have this conversation. I can be over here and have this conversation. And we're all like, okay, this feels really good. Right. So it's so true. It's so true. And I beg to say there's moments of loneliness when you choose you and you choose feeling your intuition and what you know is right. There, there's moments of, of loneliness and just take those moments of loneliness. Cause the beauty that's on the other end of it, it's just like going through a breathwork journey where I always tell people, I promise there's some beauty on the other side of this pain. Mm. Like I promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So celebrating you as a mom, because 
your daughter is experiencing that as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It, there's many things that I've, I've had crossed my mind this weekend of just like Mm. being able to send her a text of, I'm so incredibly proud of you. Right. Mm. And to send a text to the, the boy that was the victim of the bullying and just let him know that he's a light and he's welcome here. And he said, thank you for raising the daughter you did. And I was, Mm. that feels good as a mom. Yeah. Yeah. That feels, that feels like a win. Mm-hmm. And what a nice boy. Oh, he's just the best. He's the best. Oh, yeah. The kids, it's like, this is only temporary. You will be oh, I know. here soon. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm an advocate for, for kids. It's high school, senior year. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just want kids to choose kind, right? We can mm-hmm. not like people and that's okay, but we can still choose kind. It's the duality of, of life. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm an advocate for kids finding their breath young, mm-hmm. young. I wish I would have found mine years ago. I know. I got the opportunity to speak at the school. It was for the teachers, but I made a point to, it was my high school that I graduated from. And I oh, was like, cool. if I had the knowledge I do now back then, I would have stuck it out and I wouldn't have quit dance company. I wouldn't have been so I would have found a different sport when I got cut from volleyball. Like there's so many things that happened to me in high school that I wish so badly that mm-hmm. I brought because I just took it as I am useless, pointless. There's nothing out here for me. Like I, it was high school was so miserable. Yeah. So I brought, I brought that message back to the teachers to be, and they were like, Oh, so this is for the kids. Like, so you can teach us how to do breath work on them. I'm like, this is for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe it will trickle down to the kids. Like yes. I want you guys to be as, you know, fulfilled and, you know, connected to yourself as you can, because then the kids will feel that. And then it will all, it's just, the ripple effect. It's the ripple effect, baby. Totally. <laughs> totally. I love it. Yes. Yes. That was special going there. So Michelle, do you have with this um, sisterhood wound really alive in you? Do you have like intentions or retreats or workshops or anything in the works that way? Mm, you know, so I recently decided, you know, that I would say yes to more events that had to do like I for for a minute, I thought, Oh, I want to solely guide men that was safe to me. And I realized that was actually a safety for me, even though I do want to help men, I love it. And I think it's great. But I found myself trying to avoid the sisterhood wound by having less and less females that I guided, right. And so what what I have found, and I don't know if you two feel this, but I can guide someone who, even if we've had, you know, mishaps in the past together, when people are in breath, they're their truest, rawest version of them. And it's their soul that I'm connecting with, right? Their heart that I'm connecting with. It's no longer these wrongs that happened. And I I've watched forgiveness happen. And I have felt it in my own being in a room of guiding breath. And there's someone in there that 10 years ago, we had a falling out and she happened to reappear in one of my rooms by default. I was guiding at a retreat and it was just this like sticky for a minute And then without any words needing to be exchanged, there was a hug after, and it was like, oh my gosh, 
Like we didn't even have to talk through all the crap because 10 years ago is irrelevant. I was dirty and nasty and gross then. Like, you know, and she's probably evolved and changed too. So like this forgiveness that's offered through it. So my saying yes, when I mean that is, you know, that yesterday I was asked to guide at a fundraiser in a girl's backyard that I don't, I don't know who she is, but I was connected with her through a friend of mine. And I was like, yes, like my answer is yes. And I got there and at first I'm like feeling uncomfortable. And I was like, no, like I get to be here. I get to take up space. I get to do my magic of breath, right? I'm not too much. Um, so it's a lot of reprogramming. And I will be honest when I tell you that I got back in with my therapist. I am not ashamed to say that to really start to work through this reprogramming of the thoughts that pop right in my head when it comes to a female or a, like, I always tell people I'm not taking new friends. And it's because it's a protection for myself of like, if I don't take you on, then you don't have the potential to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so it's saying yes to things. It's it's being open to the possibility of her being a reflection for me or me being a reflection, right? And I started to realize that like when I would judge people, it was totally a projection onto myself of like maybe my lack or what, you know, I was feeling. And just starting to reprogram those thoughts. And also, I will be honest, coming to a place where I feel like today's year old, I feel like I am the furthest I've ever been in actually accepting and loving myself. And I think there's a huge thing to that. Just like you said, standing in the belonging that you feel inside of you. I think when you find that love for yourself, you, you're okay, right? You're, I'm okay if I'm rejected by a female. I'm okay if I'm accepted by one. I'm just, I'm okay where, where I am. And as far as working on it, I just think it's a work in progress for me right now of just accepting that and working through that the safety is in me, right? I have safety here and I can access it. And if I'm feeling left out, there's something happening in here And it's less about what's out here. It's less about the group of girls. And it's me projecting back to I'm the leftover friend again, right? So it's just, it's just the undoing, I feel like. Right? Control, alt, delete, reinstall new programs. (laughs) I wish it was that easy. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going through similar stuff. I love that. Thank you for sharing and being. Yeah. Yeah. Girls, we're complicated, emotional, beautiful creatures. (laughs) I tell you, I always, I always tell people a regulated nervous system. Really. One of the things is you can feel a wider range of emotions. And my husband goes, oh, you can feel a wider (laughs) range. I'm like, I know it's like a one woman circus. You never know what you're going to get. Like, you know, but I tell you. Yeah. (laughs) And if you haven't had a Tyler hug, highly recommend. Oh my gosh. He's the best. I used to not let him hug me. Can you believe that? Yeah. Your husband. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is. He's yeah. He's good. And he physical touches his love language <laughs> yep he sounds yeah. amazing i'm so glad that he's so cool he's so to, fun yeah yeah work through stuff that's awesome 
Yeah. yeah. Well, we like to finish up with just giving our guests the opportunity to send their message to the world. However that mm. feels, however that wants to come through for you right now. Mm, I love that. I think one of my biggest messages that I deliver a lot of times in the rooms that I guide breath in, you know, that remember that the human in us will consistently and constantly forget, right? We can feel a certain way when we go do yoga or we do breath work or we sit through sound healing and there can be this truest, rawest version of ourselves that's accessed. That's you. That is who you are. And then the human in us has to fit in in society, has to do societal norms, has to work, has to do all the things. And we forget. I think my message is, is to always consistently come back to your heart. Your heart has the answers. Your body holds the wisdom. And if we continue to keep coming back to that, to that truest, rawest version of ourselves, we start to remember, the body starts to remember that this is how we feel. This is who we are. And we become that person out in the world. And I believe that right there is the way that we're going to uplift humanity. I really do because I'm one person out there. Josh, you're one person. Hannah, you're one person out there delivering the message of breath. We need to have that ripple effect happen by the people that we hold in our space. We need to have the ripple effect of 20 people leave a room that they've just been guided in breath in their truest Ross version of themselves. They go and that ripple effect trickles down to somebody else because that is the only way that we can uplift all of humanity is to, to do that. So just that remembering that you human in us will forget, but the soul, the spirit, the intuition, it doesn't forget. It remembers forever and ever. So we can continue to remind it and a beautiful way is breath. It's coming back to that breath. It's coming back to that life force. That's always in us always from the moment we take our first breath till the moment we leave this earth and take our last, we have breath in there and we get to decide, you know, on a, in an obituary, it's a year, a hyphen in a year. What's the hyphen? What is it? You get to establish that. So that's my message a great message so good i want three more hours with you <laughs> let's go actually i'm hungry though <laughs> i need a i need an eating break <laughs> well thank you so much for sharing you and just your spirit and your soul and your energy and your heart and just being you authentically it was such a gift thank yes you. thank you Thank you for giving me this space and trusting me to come on in, in your space to share my message. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the deeper awareness podcast where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. 
We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show. So feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now and see you in the next episode.